Welcome to Monday Mobile Podcast. I'm your host, Mark, and with me are... David Milne. And Charles Barker. Today, in our second episode of Monday Mobile Podcast, we will be discussing the finer points of Asphalt 9, new game by Gameloft. So, Mark, why did, you, uh, why did you pick this game up? Is it something that you saw in a video ad, or is it something that you've been tracking over its lifetime? I've always played Gameloft's Asphalt games since uh, the iPhone 4, actually. Ooh. And uh, I don't follow it devoutly. Like, it's not one of those, you know, things I would go to a convention for or anything. But I do pay attention when I see that a new one is coming out. Uh, I mean, Gameloft is an interesting company because it kind of started off with um, very derivative stuff, right? Like, Gameloft was kind of known at least five years ago when I was when I was playing their games. They would they would basically take any game and just do a straight copy. Is that right? I I don't think that's really fair for Gameloft now. I look at Gameloft as basically the Ubisoft of the mobile games space. Because even, I mean, everyone in the mobile games industry usually takes a toy and then plus ones that in some way. And I feel like just saying Gameloft was continually doing so is sort of unfair. But they are a huge studio. They have plenty of different studios around the world. And they do have a lot of, you know, employees that do churn out these biannual, annual sort of titles. And so... They, they are, like, basically Ubisoft of the mobile games industry. Well, kind of like Blizzard, I would guess. They kind of take established mechanics and they kind of make them more casual and much more free-to-play. Uh, they're spun in a, as a, a way more free-to-play game than the stuff that they were comparing against. Like, the one I played was the Heroes Charge derivative they did, and then the other one was the uh, Kill Shot Bravo derivative. I can't remember the names of the games because it was a couple of years ago, but, uh, yeah, it was still, still high-quality stuff. That's one of the things I, I think, you know, most stands out about Gameloft games is they, they have a lot of they have a lot of games and they're all really, really high quality. So they're doing something right. Yeah, I mean, I, I would still think it's a stretch to call them Blizzard as well, because Blizzard not just, you know, breaks down a niche genre and then make it, you know, casual, enjoyable for <laughs> for all audiences. I don't like the word casual. But... You don't like the word casual? <laughs> no, I think I think casual is is a derogatory term. I'm throwing shade, is that right? On on the uh, on the Blizzard by by comparing them to Gameloft, is that what you're saying? Yeah, sort of, sort of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. At least Blizzard makes you know compelling characters and worlds that stand up on their own. I think that's what Blizzard's strongest point is. But that that can be a whole new another discussion. True. So um, one of the things that I first noticed about playing this game is their gotcha system actually levels up. And I haven't seen that in many games. I can't remember any game that I've, uh, I've played in the last year or so that has escalating gotcha. So the way it works is that uh, as you progress through the game, your garage level levels up and that opens up new cards to, to unlock. So it, it's kind of similar to Clash Royale in terms of that level-based um, rarity system where you want to level up in order to get sort of more and more card uh, possibilities, which I think was pretty interesting. And uh, I think it kind of removes a lot of the pain points of the start 
of some gacha progressions. So uh, in this instance, there's a there's a couple of cards that are available in the first couple of levels of gacha, which you're more likely to get because you're only at that level. And so therefore you're getting more and more cards for the cars you want. Cards and cars is a very difficult thing to say in succession. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of interesting. What do you guys think about that system? Did you like it? I did. I did. It kept me... Like any time I leveled up the garage, it then gave me an opportunity to go to the store and maybe look and see if I, you know, at the very least, do I have a free pack ready? Can I watch a video ad for a pack? Like it keeps me, it it gives me another opportunity to come back to the store to see what new thing, you know, might be added to that gotcha pack. I think that's a really strong thing to give people direction to come back to the store because they know there's going to be something new there. Yeah, on my side, I actually was the opposite of both of you guys. I thought that the level up gotcha system, although it was very interesting and it was awesome to see them use it, prohibited me from really wanting to spend any real money into a, you know, level one, level two garage uh, card pack because I felt like then my value proposition is, you know, artificially lowered at the beginning of the game. No, yeah, we have a similar system in, in, in our current game on Green 2 Pro where the more you level up, the more you get multipliers for the coins that you buy for real money, right? So if you look at it and you look at the uh, the coin store, it says, you know, in level six, you'll have times two the number of coins. So you're just like, well, I'm not going to buy now. I'm going to wait until I'm level six. And then when you hit level six, it's like, well, I might as well wait till I'm level 12. So there's a, there's a huge loss aversion uh, problem with that kind of style. I think it's more in your face in, in my product, and I don't think they really explain garage level at all, for that, probably for that reason. They probably just say, like, ah, oh, you leveled up your garage level, it's a good thing, but they don't tell you, they don't really sort of explicitly say, like, it's going to limit the number of cards. And in fact, you actually want your number of cards to be limited to get the same number of card shard, car shards or car, you know, re- repetitions in order to, like, get the, the get to your sort of upgrade points for the starter cars, right? So it's actually, it works and it doesn't work in those two different ways. And I think that's really interesting. It, it's also really difficult to balance it in that in that way. I think that's, that's more the interesting point. I think because Asphalt is now on its ninth iteration, I guess, that they, they've got to the point where they run simulators and they have a way better of a sense of what the economy is doing over long periods of time. And they've introduced these kind of mechanisms to you know, make sure that the uh, the uh, distribution of cards is controllable level by level. And what that means is as you progress through the levels, as you go further and further into the game, it's going to be harder and harder and more, uh, more money to, like, complete your card sets, which is exactly what you want in terms of a power curve. So uh, that basically means that, like, the more cards you have, the more drains you have for premium currency and the more desire there is for card packs, which is actually really well designed. I actually, I like that system a lot. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I think in this instance where getting a top tier class D car is about as good as getting a top tier class C, class B, class A, because all of these cars are put into specific event systems and mission systems that it's okay for your garage one level card pack to emphasize on giving you C class or D class cars. 
And it's sort of like the chicken and egg problem of, do I want to invest in this game and work for, you know, getting a higher level garage pack that will guarantee me higher chance for, you know, A class and S classes later. But, you know, then again, am I going to retain that long is the issue. Yeah, that's one of the things that I uh, that I thought was weak about the game was the, and I think David, you were talking about this before we were airing. Mm. The retention feeling is not great, and I have a couple of theories about why that is, but I wondered if you wanted to talk about it briefly. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Like while I'm while I'm playing the game, I love it. Like it's it's fun. It's simple. Uh, obviously, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get into this in a bit here, but the game itself is beautiful, right? So it is a fun game to just sit down, and I, I'll when I sit down, I have trouble putting it down. I just gorge myself on it. I'll empty the fuel on all of my cars. But once I put the game down, I can forget about it for a day or a day and a half and not come back to it. And it's only on an off chance that I'll remember it that I'll come back. And I just, I feel like it's because I don't really have any sense of long-term progression. I don't really have a goal in mind. I like the toy. The toy is fun. The toy itself is engaging. But, but what am I working towards? Am I working towards higher level cars? Am I working towards, I guess, just getting to the end of, of content? But even then, that's not exactly that compelling. And even working up to higher level cars or leveling up your garage and doing all that that's not really that compelling to me either because i don't really like any of the s-class cars (laughs) just just and that's just a total personal preference thing my favorite car is actually a d-class car so and what's that is the is the shelby mustang it's not like an amazing car by any means i just really like the look of it and i think that a lot of the like if there is any kind of hook in this game it is it is collecting all of these awesome, amazing cars and these great-looking cars that you like. But if you don't, if you don't like any of those high-level cars, or they're not, then they're not going to be a draw for you. I think that's inherent in in the game design. Yeah, I, I, if you're not a car guy, I don't think you're going to be, you know, too interested in in that progression. And as you say, like, and Mark pointed this out as well in in, in one of his write-ups, he was like, "What if I don't want the bloody starter pack Porsche?" And and I don't. I, I didn't want the I didn't yeah. want the starter pack. I looked and I said, "Okay, I guess I won't then." So, so this is interesting. Like in terms of, uh, there's three pillars that I sort of look at when I first analyze a game. In terms of, like, you'll 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 read about this in in game design, is uh, competence, autonomy, and relatedness. So competence being you know, the feeling that you're actually winning, and then autonomy being like your uh, your actual choices matter and then relatedness being i matter in this world and the interesting thing about asphalt 9 is that there are no people i mean i can barely see a driver in the windshield of my car sometimes but there's no one who there's no characters right so if you look at need for speed and and uh burnout you compare those two need for speed actually had a lot of character work in their stuff in terms of uh, you know a mechanic character or a wingman character in Carbon, which was a, a clear step up from from Burnout, in my opinion, in terms of actually having people and cast and 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 stuff that that happens in the game that matters and it triggers your uh, mirror neurons, right? Like it, you see someone in the game who's relying on your progression or relying on your winning, and that activates something in our brains, and that's. Probably one of the things that's missing from the game that would make me come back more often is that, you know, a sense of 
maybe putting someone in the garage that you know is is waiting on me or or like like adding adding people to the game that like give you the rewards as opposed to just going into a ui system that's something that i would i would be interested to see what if asphalt 10 was released and they had more characters in it i wonder what the effect on the kpis would be yeah that's a good point i mean you see that in in all kinds of games especially the um you know clash of clans any kind of style of game is they always have that that ai person that is introducing you to this world and is talking to you throughout the fatui and stuff right just trying to get you engaged with oh there are people talking to you i guess is that that's kind of what you're talking about yeah yeah it's uh, the feeling that you matter to society which is deep wired into our brains and that's very important mm-hmm. in uh, motivation design so I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by the fact that they didn't do that it's a, it's a big hole and um i think partly one of the reasons is they really are concentrating on the cars like I was working on uh, racing games for a long time, and every time the car wasn't on screen, it was a big deal. Yeah. So menu screens and interactions and flows, all that stuff, as soon as you're away from the car, people were, were nervous and, and, and they were, you know, they were very quick to say, like, we should remove all this UI you know, to get rid of the complexity, but also to, 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 to show, like, the value of the car and stuff. And... Uh, in Need for Speed, especially, uh, the contract that we we had meant that uh, there's no damage to the cars, which I think these guys probably have similar contracts. You don't get banged up. You never see the car in a state but it looks damaged. What? No, no, you you can crash the shit out of your car. But look at the way that the crashes happen, though, right? Like they're they're not like the cars fucked. It's just it's just a brief sort of quick side of the car looking like it's getting destroyed but in terms of like the wheel looks like it's wobbling off or like the 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 impact of the the damage at least from what i could tell i was like yeah this seems like a similar sort of thing from need for speed where they were just like yeah you can't you can't show the car you know progressively damaged Mm, right okay like it's either gone or it's there and when it's there it's perfect yes that is definitely the case and they've lessened up, right? Like, in the later Need for Speeds, you could do a little bit of damage and it was fine. But, like, you know, to have the, 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 to get those brands in your game, you have to sign a very, very, you know, horrible contract about all the things you can't have fun with. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. So, uh, yeah, I was interested in that. But, uh, yeah, I, no, I thought it was, uh, again, like, looking at Burnout and looking at Need for Speed, uh, this is this is the game, sort of derailing for a second. This this is a game that I'm playing on my mobile phone, and I, I love it because it's re-establishing the sense of speed that is missing from a lot of racing games on mobile. And that, all that really takes is stuff that's just near the camera, right? So as you're driving, things are, things are coming past your head, right? Or, or like in the third-person perspective, like they're coming past the top of the car. So stuff like uh, lights and... Uh, you know, signs are actually like artificially closer to the ground to make it look like your car is driving just underneath them to give that sense of speed. And uh, the uh, the takedown system, which is from Burnout, is very very similar, right? Like you you do a double tap on your uh, on your brake to do a spin, which is very silly. But you know, you're like, ah, I get a little bit boost for doing that. I might as well do it from time to time. And it kind of plays a, a big part in multiplayer as well. I found. Yeah, the other thing I, w- I wanted to think about was, uh, like, uh, relatedness was one of the big holes, and uh, then I thought about um, 
uh, competence, like the feeling that you're doing something right. And I was just looking at the, the menu interactions. It's a great case. And I think Gameloft does this very, very well. Every game I've played of them, they have these little micro interactions, micro micro transactions, I call them, where the UI does stuff in this very complicated, graceful way. So when you're clicking on buttons, there's a clear feedback effect. There's a transition of like little animations of all the different pieces of the UI coming and going. Um, there is a, uh, this is somewhat technical, but you'll notice that when you're traveling through the UI, it's, a, it's basically a stack system. And what that means is that whenever you're in a UI, when you're going from place to place, you can always go back to the place you were. And a lot of games don't do that very well because it's very, very tricky to build. Um, um, so like as you're going through the daily event system, for example, you can go into the car, you can upgrade the car, you can go into the upgrade screen, you can go into the, you know, like where do I get these cards screen and you back out all the way, you're going back to where you were. Whereas most games tend to either put you into a different flow where every time you go back, you go back to the main menu or you would go into sort of different uh, parts of the game worlds which would require a load and they would not have state as well. So that's basically a very roundabout way of saying like it, it makes sense intrinsically to the player that that's what they're doing. They're going through the stack system and they're going back and forth through these different screens and it doesn't ever get to the point where you're lost, which I think is very, very good programming and design. Like usually... It's kind of intrinsic when you're designing a, a UI screen or a, a menu system in general, or, or let's say, say, a, say a customization system. It's very, very easy to get into the point where the engineer is implementing your design and just makes it easy for themselves apart, and not the user, right? So when you're doing very complicated uh, interactions with the network, right, the back end of the game, and you're assuming all these things, you're assuming all these different states that the player is in, it's very, very difficult to have this kind of flow where you can go back and forth between any anything and shortcut to anywhere. That's very, very difficult to do. And this is something that those guys have obviously done very, very well. And uh, there's no big loads between the menu screens and everything looks and animates very, very well. And I just think that's like part of the, the reason why the game feels so good. It goes to this, you know, broken windows theory where it's kind of the inverse of that. So the broken windows theory is a is a is a criminological theory that that says that like if you're in the in the subways in New York and you see graffiti everywhere, there's more likely to be crime. Or there's more, more likely to be more graffiti. And in the in in a similar way, if the UI of a game is beautiful and feels holistic, then you're going to have you're going to think of this product as a higher value than it actually is. Right, like it, it's going to be something where you're like, if it if it doesn't work well or if it doesn't feel good to like navigate these menus and upgrade your car, then it's going to be a feeling of like, uh, this game isn't valuable. This is not worth my three dollars to spend on a Porsche. Right, like that's kind of my my general take on it. And then so that that, that kind of ties into hygiene factors as well, which is a, a business studies theory where the uh, the loading time, the premium currency drip, the social network feel uh, features. They don't lead to higher motivation per se, but they, they if they're not there, so if you don't have a premium currency drip, if you don't have, you know, responsive loading times, it's just going to make your player's retention, you know, noticeably lower, right? So a couple of a couple of bugs in the in the loading screen, or like the feeling that you're going to get jacked out of any flow that you're trying to do, 
is going to reduce your your first time user experience and your conversion rate by a big percentage. I would say, like you know, like two percent is like what your target conversion is for most free to play experiences. You know, a 0.7 drop of that is going to be a big deal, and that can be easily accounted for by a you know a lack of a premium currency drip. One of the games I worked on, you know, we we changed one feature and the premium currency drip was reduced by a certain percentage by mistake and our conversion went down. So, you know, it, it's very it's very easy to make these mistakes and like really cause a huge drop in your KPIs. Going back to retention again in this mm-hmm. game, I think the lack of the premium drip currency option, the lack of daily login check-in rewards or even a monthly login check-in reward hurts the retention quite a bit. Do you think missions are, are, are meant to be that? I mean, I think missions start off as like regular quests, but then they soon turn into achievements through so this gradual you know, progression, which I thought was kind of an interesting design, but you're right. There's, no, there's, a, there's a glaring lack of a login reward. It's weird. Yeah, most new games that come out entice you some way to stay for seven days straight because they want to hit those D7 numbers. So I found it shocking that there wasn't, you know, a guarantee of a B-class or a C-class car on day seven if you, you know, log in seven times. It could be from previous games that they know their retention strong enough and they're just happy with it. That could be it. <laughs> I don't think you should rest. On your laurels? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, a, a day seven, like if I had some reason to log in every day, I mean, that's what I was talking about with my behavior before is like I didn't have this reason to log in and I'd forget about it for a day. And then at some point I'd sit there and think, oh, yeah, I should play that game again. And I'd just kind of come back. And if that's what they're if they're fine with that sort of behavior where you play it for a day and then you don't for three and then you kind of come back and then you don't play it again. Um, maybe that's fine, but if there was some some kind of seven day login, um, I'd have come in every day. To me, the only retention strategy that these guys are these guys are using in their game is the incredibly prehistoric gas system and notifications uh, for each of their cars. Which you know, you guys wrote up before we aired. You know, it was awesome to have cars that have their own energy system essentially but at the same time that's basically the only retention mechanic that they have in the game well going back to 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 why you might not implement that that change right you might not have a day seven login bonus or whatever it really is a matter of impracticality when you're in development like i i i was talking to my product manager the other day and he was saying we should do this we should do that and i'm like we have say we have a hundred dollars to spend if you, if you have a KPI that's doing industry standard and you have a KPI that isn't, you're going to spend that $100, you're going to spend 90 of that $100 on the KPI that is failing, not the KPI that's industry standards, right? Like, you, it, it's always, it's always a, it's not a zero-sum game. It, it, it's a very tricky thing to manage, and it, it's often hard to make those decisions, but the people who can't make decisions based on industry standards or based on, you know, the data they have that's when you get to the the real problem of, of, of game design and, and product management, right? Like if you're trying to improve your retention when it's fine and you and your you know your conversion rate is suffering, 
it's not clever strategy, right? So that's why I figured they don't implement it. Like I would, I'm assuming <laughs> that they have good retention, and I, I'm guessing that's because, you know, they're the ninth game in the season. Their, their retention is probably fine. So they're just catering to their hardcore fans, is what you're saying? I would imagine so. At this point, I mean, even if I missed a day here and there, I still was coming back. Like maybe the day seven retention isn't great, but maybe their day thirty retention is quite high because they just have people kind of keep coming in here and there. Either they have their core group of hardcore followers, and everybody else just kind of pops in here and there, spends a couple bucks, and goes away again. In nine games in the series, though, do you think they would not have some kind of reten- like baseline retention system? Like, they, they would have been able to do that within game five, right? Like, they would have been like, our retention sucks. It sucked in the last game. It sucked in the game before that. We should do a retention system. And there's just, like, one stodgy designer who's like, nope. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Mark, you played you played the past games. Did they have retention mechanics like that in the past games? No, no. None of their asphalt title games really pushed anything in terms of monetization or retention. Uh, that I could see. Yeah, I, I thought spending three dollars for the for the the rare cards to get the Porsche was actually pretty pretty good. Um, like I, I think it it probably is a like as you said like as I said if you don't like Porsches then why the fuck would you do it? But at the same time I'm like eh, like I just want a good car and I think that car got me into the events and it made me able to finish most of the events that got me my card pack. So. They do a good job with the event system of like making you want to buy to get to get like the the full uh, benefits of every single uh, race that you do because there's there's always like one or two goals that you're missing when you run it with a regular car because you can't go fast enough. Did you guys experience that much? No, not really. Although honestly, I haven't been doing a lot of the event stuff. I've just been grinding my way through the. Uh, um, region content and honestly in in that case i found that the car you have almost doesn't matter because it's just a it's just a limit right it's just do you have at least this much then you can use whatever car you want um and in those games honestly you can they almost play themselves like just for funsies i took my hand off of the off of the phone and just let one of the missions play itself and i got first place yeah using the touch drive system yeah yeah you uh, it, it doesn't work in all of the missions, but in a lot of the missions, you the game will literally play itself. So, which I think is probably fine, but because I keep playing them. <laughs> I actually saw backlash from their fans on their Facebook page talking about the touch drive system. They consider them purist by not doing the touch drive. I mean, they have the option to not use the touch drive system. Yeah, I, I found that it was that that was sort of interesting. Um, I also bought the Porsche, even though I didn't really care for the car. I bought it just for research purposes, and I still have never pulled a ten pull from their gotcha system with all the card currency that I've been saving up along with that starter pack. So I'm just waiting till I can, you know, pull ten on uh, featured gotcha. Yeah, that's a good that's a good retention system. I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't. I don't think that's retention at all. I, I would. I would have quit a long time ago if I didn't have to continue playing for this podcast. Well, for me, I I found that like hoarding is is a really powerful way of uh, 
of doing of doing that kind of sense of just like well eventually I, if i build up enough currency i'm i'm going to get i'm going to i'm going to do the most efficient pull that i can possibly make and that's i like that kind of stuff like when i bought the car uh for three dollars and then they did like well do you want to buy this other thing for 10 uh you know i was very tempted to buy that i think they did a good ramp up in their in their purchases yeah i think it's sort of industry standard to upsell the starter pack into something more get them into the 30 dollar range or the 60 dollar range even i saw that they even offered a hundred ten dollar range after you purchase the porsche and i think you know that is something you need to have in your game but then again like because these cars are front and center it's sort of difficult to target what these cars will what their inherent value is to the purchaser to me it's like it's the better car you have the more you're gonna you you more optimally you're gonna play through the events i think that's probably the 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 best way of putting it like I don't think that the campaign matters as much as the events in terms of prizes, as far as I could see. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I found that like I, I mostly spent time during the events and I was using my Porsche all the time to get to get everything I could out of those events in order to level up my other cars. And uh, I found the campaign kind of less and less interesting the more I, like, the more I played to the events. I was fine playing that. I really was just happy to hop in and play with the toy of the game. I, The way I played the... It, it made me want more when I was playing it, and it made me want more burnout, basically. <laughs> like, I found that when I was playing any of the missions, uh, especially with the touch steer, touch control um, system, basically every choice I would make would would just be the choice that would bring me lean me closer to the other cars just so that i could knock them out that that was the fun that i was having with the game for those maybe not actually who maybe didn't play the game and aren't familiar with the touch drive controls you don't actually steer in this game the car steers itself and you're given choices on the screen of kind of what lane you want to go in or what direction you want to go in because there's slightly different paths um or you can hit a jump or get a boost or you know whatever and you're given that choice um and then you have the choice to boost or the choice to drift or the choice to basically spin out which gives you boost if you're doing a trick and or can just smash yourself into other cars which is what i did i enjoyed smashing myself into other cars and that was the toy that i was playing with basically and i was kind of happy to do that um i the last time I played, I was kind of thinking a bit more about getting into the events. One one thing I did want to bring up, and actually it kind of goes back to your... I think it goes back to your point on relatedness. Is that there's one thing that they did that made uh, my first purchase feel really good. And I don't know if they do this with all of the purchases, but... Like any first purchase you make. But I made my first purchase and it was just like a... I think it was just a currency pack. I just bought some extra... Um, credits or whatever they're called and then after that they gave me a little message that said hey thank you for making this first purchase we really appreciate that um, here's an extra you know and I think it was like 30,000 credits or what it was on top of the credits that I had gotten and I really liked that because they could have just said oh yeah whatever your first purchase gets you this extra bonus but because they waited and after the fact kind of surprised me with this extra stuff and a little message from the developers. Um, 
I don't know. It felt good. It it it, it kind of gave me this feeling of oh yeah right there's you know there's a team of people making this game and I and I help support them and that feels good and kind of made me feel like I was more invested in it. I don't know if you guys got that or if you felt the same way at all, but you reminded me of that. Yeah, I did. I did get that, and uh, yeah, it's a very very powerful thing to do mm-hmm. and very very simple thing to do. Exactly. Like in in any purchase, with a lot of first purchases, you'll get some kind of bonus, and they'll tell you about that up front. But just taking that exact same bonus, putting it after the purchase, and surprising the player with it, I think is a really strong thing. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great successor to to Burnout and and similar arcade racing titles. Um, really enjoyed the the experience and didn't regret spending what I spent. Um, probably won't play that much more i have other games that i'm more interested in more i'm not really a car guy despite making nine or ten car games <laughs> <laughs> i uh yeah I, I just feel like it's a it's a it's a really really competent effort and a really really powerful experience that uh works well on on, on high-end phones and is a, is a is a really fun um fun and interesting time uh yeah i think i'm kind of uh along the same lines as you, Charles, uh, it's obviously a beautiful game. It's fun to play. It's engaging. I really like the toy of it uh, when you get in a race. I think I was saying this to you before, Charles, that it's just kind of delightful to play this game. Yes. You know, with all, it's very crunchy, all of the effects and the visuals. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's fun. It's quite simple. I can just sit down and, and get into it and just you know smash myself into other cars or try to win or do whatever and i really like that um for me i think it has some problems just because i really don't know what my goal is like really all i'm doing is going in and playing with the toy and leaving and so you know they're not going to make they're not going to make a whale out of me on this game um they must have some whales because this is the ninth edition of this (laughs) series so maybe they don't care about me but um I'm probably not going to uninstall it. I bet you in five days I'll think about playing this game and I'll play it and I'll have a lot of fun and then I probably won't play it for a little while and then I'll pick it up again, you know, ten days after that kind of a thing. I think it's something that I'll have a I'll have a hankering for playing some kind of racing game and I'll open that game up and I'll play it and it'll be and it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think if you're gonna play any racing game and racing is up your alley for. Uh, games on mobile i think you can't really go wrong with this one you're just gonna continue to you know drop on by until asphalt 10 comes out Uh, i i still think that their retention and monetization is weak uh, at least for my demographic and like charles pointed out uh, it does feel very clinical in terms of the lack of characters and human faces in this game. And even though it's, you know, clinical in that aspect, they should have some sort of screen that sort of gives you ownership over the cars you have. Right now, they're basically UI pictures, portraits, and then you have to, you know, tap into looking at your car individually. And I feel like focusing on, like, creating ownership over your garage or uh, something along those lines will definitely help with keeping you invested in the game outside of just the gameplay. But yeah, those are my thoughts. So thank you all for listening to the second episode of Monday Mobile Podcast. Happy mobile gaming, and we'll see you next time.